Welcome. You are listening to Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. We hope today's message helps you grow in relationship with Jesus. You can access more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church at iccmemphis.com. Thank you for listening. Well, good morning, church family. My name is Barrett, and I am one of the pastors here, and I'm so glad to be able to welcome you to our Global Missions Emphasis Week this year. If you've got your Bibles, I would love for you to turn them open to Acts chapter 20 today. Acts chapter 20, and we're going to be looking at a theme verse for this week, which is in, found in verse 24. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. If you could read it with me, and by the way, we chose this verse before we recognized that it aligned with this year, 2024. It happens to be very fitting. So if you want to remember the reference, it should not be too hard. Just remember the book Acts, and then remember the year. It's our theme verse for the week. You're welcome. Y'all read it with me, it's on the screens. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. One of the core measures of a disciple that we measure here at ICC, that we wanna see growing in every single heart and life uh, here in our church family, and I'm so glad you're here today, uh, is a missional mindset. And this week will be about this, it's not just today's sermon, uh, it will be throughout the week and it'll be throughout the year, but we want to see in you a clear calling, an active involvement to live to see the gospel spread and to see churches planted Here in Memphis, but importantly this week, we'll be talking about the heart of God and the work of our church to see that happen around the world. And I'm really excited for the journey we have together. Hey, uh, I think it was like 10 years ago or so, maybe eight to 10 years ago, um, our our, our theme this week is worth it, but I'm going to start by telling you a little story. Uh, Michelle and I got invited uh, to join one of our dear couple friends, uh, Eric and Claire Hazlett, who are here in our church, not here this morning, unfortunately, because they would probably laugh hilariously at the story I'm about to tell. We got invited to join them on an epic 10-day journey to Scotland. I don't know if you've ever heard of Scotland or seen pictures of Scotland, but um, if you have... You know, it's kind of like one of those like dreamy places that you think about going. A lot of my dad's family was actually from Scotland, so I was super excited to get to see some of that area where my great-great-grandparents had actually immigrated from into this country. And we were super excited. They, they had planned the whole trip already and were just looking for like travel partners, and we were like, yeah, this sounds great, let's do it. But we kind of signed up after they had kind of already agreed to, and like begun work on planning the trip. So we're kind of joining into their trip. And one of the things they told us for full disclosure was, hey guys, just so you know, um, we like doing a lot of hiking on our our trips and and we're gonna be planning a lot of like mountain hikes and stuff during the trip. And they're like, are y'all good with that? And we're like, yeah. Under our breath though, we're like, oh crap. Like, we've never been on a hike like in my life, at least for me. Michelle had more athletic and adventurous than me. But for this boy, um, athletics were not, I mean, I was like yearbook club guy, all right? Um, I was really good at a lot of things. I did quiz bowls. I did yearbook clubs. I did key club. You know, I was very active, but just in my own way, okay? Athletics, hiking, not my idea of a great vacation. I'm just going to tell you. Um, I'm more of the like sit in a coffee shop, read a book, 
just rest, okay? So anyway, they're like, we're it's gonna be pretty adventurous Scotland trip, and we're like, okay, great. And suddenly I'm like, oh no, I have nothing to wear. Everything I own is like from J. Crew and is not waterproof. So um, I immediately go to South Haven down there at the Tanger Outlets. There's a Columbia store down there. And I went in the store and he said, hey, what are you here for? And I was like, I really don't know. I think it's hiking. And so in good, you know, style, I pieced together a, a wonderful ensemble. I'll show you a picture of it. Um, I invested a lot in this. It was totally not me. This is, this, every piece of clothing I have on was purchased at the Columbia store in South Haven for the trip. Our, it was waterproof pants. He told me I needed these shoes. These are apparently are hiking shoes. Did you know they made hiking shoes? So they're hiking shoes, they're waterproof. I wanted to have a matching jacket. It, it had to still look good, okay? So matching jacket, I had the hat, everything about it. Like that's, that was sporty, hiking, Pastor Barrett, all right? So we're like all ready to go on the adventure. Well, the first few days were in Edinburgh and we had a wonderful time there, but then all of a sudden, the dreaded moment I was waiting for, and I had done a little, y'all, preparing for hiking, this is not my cup of tea right? Preparing for it. Like I had gone to the gym twice, I think, you know, in the, in the few months leading up to it. So I felt somewhat ready. I had done the ellipticals twice. And um, <laughs> then Eric was like, okay, tomorrow we're, we're going to start. We're going to do a uh, bin on. And I was like, oh, great. This, this is great. We got this. Until I, I saw the mountain, you guys. And we, we pull up to the mountain. There's a picture here. We look at bin on and I'm like, oh, this is not a casual stroll. This is a mountain, like a, a real mountain. And um, yeah, so we parked and we began to hike. There's a picture here of kind of starting out on the trail. And I got to tell you guys, uh, uh, at this point in the trails, we started out, you know, we had been walking maybe an hour, two hours, and I literally thought my heart was going to jump out of my chest. I, there was one point at which I thought, oh, praise God, we're getting close to the, to, to the top because I think if we're not near, I'm going to fall out and have a heart attack. I was sweating profusely. I don't like to sweat. My heart was beating very, very fast. And I had never felt more muscles in my legs than in my whole life. And, and all of a sudden, we get to this point where I think, oh, we're about to summit. And I'll show you the, the, the place that I thought we were about to summit. We get to this clearing and then I go, oh crap. Um, we're not even close. And at this point, I had to make a decision. It's like, do you, do you just stop there and go, well, it's been nice so far, I'll just wait for you to come back. Um, or do you like muster up the energy to keep going, right? And uh, what I decided was, being the, the person that I am, um, this is a picture of Michelle and I at this point. Uh, I decided that I would adopt a strategy that I thought would work in my advantage, and that was I would begin to engage people who were coming down the trail in casual conversations. And if they wanted to stop and have a conversation, it gave me a moment to rest, and I could excuse it as I'm just doing ministry, okay? So um, I got the nickname from this point up to the summit, I got the nickname of the mayor of the mountain. That's what Eric and Claire, because they kept turning around and they were a little bit of like, it was cute at first, and then it became disgust toward the end. It was like, seriously, he stopped again. Um, but I casually and slowly, but also exhaustingly, like, made my way up to the, the mountain. You get to the to very near the summit, and all of a sudden, Eric goes, okay, now it's time to scramble. And I'm like, scramble? Like, eggs? What are we talking about? No, apparently there's a part, the very time, you have to get down on your hands and knees. You're, like, crawling across the face of the rock, y'all. It was epic. I did great things hard things. I can do hard things. I kept telling myself that again and again. We scrambled up toward the summit 
And I thought to myself, what in the, why in the world did I sign up for this trip? This is the dumbest thing that I have ever done. Here I am looking like a lobster, hanging onto the side of a cliff, risking my life until we reached the summit. And when we reached that summit, this is what I saw. Just on the other side of this exhausting path that we had taken, with all the effort we had put in and the sacrifices we had made, came this view that most, by most accounts, this is the best view that you'll get in the nation of Scotland, perhaps one of the best views in the world. And we sat there feeling the cold air on our face and looking at the sunshine and the views that were before us. And I was like, are you kidding me? I've never seen anything like this in my life. I was so excited about it and could not believe it. I had done it that I asked for this picture to be made. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's, uh, yeah, I was, I, that's at the top there, just to prove I summit had been on. But there was no doubt in that moment that everything that I had put in up to that point, T, totally worth it. <laughs> worth it. Completely worth it. And I would do it again, you guys. Columbia store, two elliptical runs, the sweat, the mayor of the mountain, and everything. I'd do it all again, uh, even though I know what it cost, uh, because it was totally worth it. This week, uh, you're going to be hearing again and again the phrase, worth it. And we're using this phrase all throughout the conference week to demonstrate that truly, no matter what it costs you, no matter what God may summon, it may be a week of your year, it may be money from your bank accounts, it may be a short-term residency overseas during your school career, it may be actually taking yourself or those who you love and moving them overseas. It could be somewhere in between, welcoming an international here in our city, no matter what it is that God may put on your heart and pull you toward this week, as it relates to global missions, in the end, it is T-totally worth it. This morning, the, the title of today's message comes from the Apostle Paul and his own summit experience. And as he gave so much, but looked over the summit of, of what all that he had gave resulted in, he said, it's worth it. And this morning, I want to show you that briefly as we kick off our missions week. This will be just a launching pad into an opportunity for us all week to be focused on this. But we're going to be talking this morning about the summit view of the greatness of God and the gladness of all peoples. The greatness of God and the gladness of all peoples. And I would encourage you to write some notes down this morning if you have opportunity to in some way. Acts chapter 20, verse 24, Paul is showing you. He is showing you. He's like, look, guys, like it, it, it's taken some effort. It, it's required some sacrifice. Like I've got a story to tell about how I've gotten here, but I'm here to tell you it is worth it. This is the theme verse, but I don't account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself. He's looking at the cost He's saying, yeah, it came with some cost. There's some stuff I had to give up. But I, but I don't 
I don't even count that as precious to me. Like, that's not the most important thing. The most important thing, he says, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus, this is the summit view, that I might have the opportunity to testify, to tell somebody, to make much of this, the gospel, the good news of the grace of God. It's worth it, he's saying. It's worth it. In your text this morning, you've turned to Acts chapter 20. I want to walk you through briefly this morning four elements of Paul's worth it mindset. This is, if you can get this, you can get what what global missions is all about. You can get the heart of God for all people. Four elements to a worth it mindset. And they all come here from Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 17. Number one. Paul had a worth it mindset in this. He had a longing, number one, a longing for everyone to know Jesus. A longing for everyone to know Jesus. Paul had come to a place of recognition that God has a redemptive heart for all people. If you look at Acts chapter 20 in your text and you go back to verse 17, we're just going to walk through, I know I started in verse 24, our theme verse, but I'm going to give you some context. Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, set apart by the grace of God, his life had been totally changed. Similar to Glenn, who we just heard from, he didn't imagine that at this stage of his life, he'd be doing what he was doing, that he'd find himself among a non-Jewish people and he'd find himself just living with a passion and purpose to just make God known. But truly, he had caught a passion for the glory of God. He wanted to see God's name known and glorified. Like He wanted to see people lifting up the name of God, understanding his worthiness and saying he's worth it. And here he is on one of his journeys. And he's now from Miletus. He's sent to Ephesus. This is a place that had been fond of Paul, that he had invested his life, and he called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, Paul's telling you here, telling them and telling us about what it looks like to have a worth it mindset. He says, now you know yourselves how I lived among you. The whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and the trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. Look at verse 20. He says, How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks. In other words, what Paul's saying is, look, what you've got to understand here Deep in my heart, from the time you first knew me, was this longing, this sincere longing for you to know the glory of God, the greatness of God, for you to know Jesus. He said, I I came for this. Look at the words that are in the text there. I lived among you for this. I served you for this purpose. I had humility. I didn't consider myself better than you. I I came to serve and to humble myself before you. You have seen my own tears for you. You have seen what I have been through for you. You have seen that I have not stopped from talking to you about this. And you have seen that I haven't just done this in public areas, but I have 
wanted every single one of you to know God. That's why I have not just done it in public, but I have gone from house to house to house. And I've not just stayed with one people. I have done this for all people, for Jews and Greeks. I want for you to know God. He's the best. If you want to develop a worth it mindset, it starts with your own love for God and your own desire to see others know how great he is. Ask God to set your heart ablaze for his glory. Psalm 67 is a psalm that we use frequently. We, uh, here at ICC, we talk about global missions. The psalm just says, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. But there's a purpose to all of this. It's not just asking God for blessing for ourselves. It's saying, so that your way may be known on the earth. God, would you set my own heart ablaze or would you bless me and pour yourself into me but God I wanted you to do that so that I can turn around and say God you are great so that God your way may be known on the earth your saving power among all nations let the peoples praise you oh God let all the peoples praise you Paul's heart is that all people would know the goodness and the grace of God this is God's heart from the very beginning. Uh, many years past, we've trailed from Genesis all the way to Revelation, and I don't have time nor intent to do that today because we've discipled in that way many times. If you've never heard that exposition, I would encourage you to go back and to look online or talk to me later. I'd be glad to give you notes of that. But from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is clear. God has a heart for all people to know him. He created us out of the overflow of who he is and his desire for us from the beginning was that we might know him. He is passionate for his glory because if he was passionate for us for anything else, it would not be loving. He wants the best for us, which is why he wants himself for us. He loves us and wants us to know him. The greatness of God was Paul's passion. This is what Jesus asked us to embrace when we hear him in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, y'all know that, right? In Matthew chapter 28, 18 to 20, Jesus came and this is after his resurrection. He says, you know, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Now go. Here's what I want. Here's what God wants. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. What is Jesus saying is his heart's desire? I want all people to know me. I want all people to know that that I love them. I want all people to know that they were made for me. I created them for my glory, and I have come for them. Jesus lived that this might be possible. He died on the cross as a sacrifice for the sins of all who would believe. By his blood, we read earlier from Revelation 5, there's, it's possible for, for people from every tribe and tongue to be ransomed, to be redeemed. This is his heart. I, I want people to know me. I want people to know that by my resurrection, people can be made new. I want people to come back into relationship with me. This is the heart of Jesus. And notice here the phrase, all nations. We've talked about this ad nauseum in years past, but just as a brief review, the phrase Jesus uses there in the Greek is ponte ta ethne, which does not mean countries, okay? He has a heart for all peoples. As we look at the landscape of the world through missions lens, through God's lens, we don't look at it through the arbitrary lines that we humans have made around people groups. 
In fact, there's about 196 nations in the world, but as we look at people groups, there are 17,000 plus of them. And what Jesus is saying here is, I care about all the peoples. If you look at a map of Iran, for instance, which we've used before, you can see we might, through our lens of geopolitics, look at it as a nation, all one, formed by borders that we created in certain years and dates and times. But really, as God looks at the nation, he looks at distinct people groups within that nation. He has a heart for all of the people. And so the foundation of knowing what it looks like to have a worth it mindset is to develop this longing, this longing that Paul has that's evidenced through his ministry, a longing for everyone to know Jesus. I want to ask you, sincerely, not just because you're sitting in church, but God knows your heart. Do you have a longing? Sincerely, deep in your heart, do you have a longing for people to know Jesus? Does your heart beat for the glory of God? Does that psalm actually... Is it a song of your heart, like a real song of your heart? Like, let the peoples praise you, God. I just want, I want people to know you. If not, and you want to develop a worth it mindset today, here's, here's a dangerous prayer to pray. I use that phrase because Glenn accused us of tricking him into praying. <laughs> That's where it started. Here's a dangerous prayer to pray. Would you pray, God, would you give me a longing? A longing for people to know you. Would you align my heart with your heartbeat? Oh, Let the peoples praise you, God. Would you grow my heart with a longing for people to praise you? The second part of the worth it mindset is recognizing the necessity of faith. Recognizing the necessity of faith. Recognizing what Paul recognized, which is that everyone needs to repent and believe in Jesus as Savior and Lord. He says here in verse 2021, if you go back to Acts chapter 20, he talks about how he had lived among them and he longed for everybody to know them, but notice how he specifically says that he comes to testify to something specific. What does he testify to? He tells you. He he testified house to house to Jews and Greeks of what? Repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Paul, uh, similar to how, anybody ever have like, did y'all do that like Spotify year in review thing? Does anybody do that stuff? Okay, so we are, some of us are cool and uh, trendy. I, I don't do it, but I've heard of this. I've seen you post on your, you know, it's like you, you have an album. So the first point is like, Okay, like I listen to this apparently a lot and apparently like I want you to know about it so I'm gonna share about it because I like want you to know I'm listening to so you can listen to it with me, right? So like the first point is like longing for people to like listen to your playlist. That's similar to like what we're talking about first. But then you've got to actually help people to know where to find it. Like how do you connect to that playlist? And if you're like my, um, my grandparents, for instance, they call a lot and they're like, could you help us know how to work our phones? You know what I'm saying? Like how do we get music nowadays if it doesn't come on a CD or cassette? That's a tricky thing. And for somebody who's never dealt with a digital phone or digital music, you have to actually, has anybody ever done this to the grandparent? Am I the only one? Okay, thank you. So you actually have to walk them through how to use their phone or how to get digital music. Oh, like you can get that? Oh yeah, you can. Let me show you how. Well, 
Similarly to that, and this may be a fail analogy, but let's just roll with it, okay? Paul's going, it's not enough for me to just like want for you to like listen to the music. I've got to actually show you how to do this. And what he's saying to us in Global Missions is like, it's not enough for me to just want for you to know God. Like there's a specific way that like knowing God happens. Like we are all broken and sinful and we all need a savior. And the only way for us to be saved is to know that the Savior has come and his name is Jesus Christ. God in the flesh has showed up and he lived for our righteousness and he died for our forgiveness. He was put in the grave for three days, dying the death that we deserve to be. He defeated sin, Satan, death, hell itself, and he rose from the grave in three days and he lives today. He ascended to the right hand of the Father and he gives new life for everyone who will turn from sin and put their trust in him and surrender their all to him. He is a giver of new life. He can forgive iniquity and transgressions and sin and he can make you new. And if you trust in Jesus, you will have life and life that will never end and there will be a day coming that he will return And he will take us to be home with him. And we will be with God forever and ever. Amen? This is the good news of the gospel. But people don't get this good news apart from believing. People don't get relationship with God apart from actually hearing this news and repenting and believing. It is necessary for people to believe in Jesus Christ. And so we have to recognize the necessity of faith. Romans chapter 10 speaks to this, verses 11 to 14. He says, for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him if they've not believed? How they're to believe in him and who they've never heard. Verse 17 of the same chapter says, So faith comes through hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Paul recognized that people needed to believe in Jesus to be saved. Yes, God has a heart for all people, but he's come for all people in a person, in a Savior whose name is Jesus. And people need to believe in Jesus. You need to believe in Jesus if you are to be saved. There's only one way to God, and it is through Jesus Christ. And Paul had a passion for the glory of God, but he recognized people need to believe, to repent and believe. And this morning, if you want a worth it mindset, you need to recognize the necessity of faith. Do you? Third, to develop a worth it mindset, you have to address the disparity of access. You have to address the disparity of access. In other words, you have to come to a point of recognizing that people will not believe unless someone shares. So yeah, we're passionate for the glory of God, and yes, we know, we recognize, people gotta believe. We gotta do a little more than that. You then got to recognize that people can't believe unless they hear. If you go back to Acts chapter 20 and you look there in verse 21, he speaks, we read this just a second ago, about testifying to both Jews and to Greeks. Paul, of all the apostles, over and over and over, kept saying, hey, 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 
let's not forget, we, we got to get the gospel outside of ourselves. Like, we've got to take responsibility to get this good news of Jesus to people who've never heard. He was passionate about this. This is more than just for my people group. This is for also the Greeks, the Gentiles, and the Jews. He says there in verses 22 and 23, now behold, I'm coming to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except by the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Paul's going, look, I don't really care where I end up going. It's just that like, I, I know I've got to get places and testify to Jesus. Like, I know that this has got to, the gospel has to go forward, and it can go forward if I'm willing to testify. His goal was to get the gospel out. If you look at his missionary journeys and just look at a map, good gracious, the dude was traveling all over the known world at that time. He was ambitious to, to get outside of just his own people group, outside of just his city. He was ambitious because he knew, deep, deep, deep down in his heart, he knew that if if people did not go to these places, how in the world would they ever hear of Jesus? He, he knew, Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. He recognized. You, you don't just get to the gospel on your own. Somebody's got to tell you. As Paul looked out, he saw a huge disparity. It'd be the equivalent of me this morning, you know, bringing in like uh, Gibson's donuts. I haven't done this, so don't think it's about to happen. But it'd be like the equivalent of like getting, bringing in hundreds of Gibson's donuts. And we cart them in here and I go, oh, look what the Lord has provided. Gibson's donuts, right? And then I just roll the carts all the way over here to this section, and I, I just start handing, y'all got chosen, and I just start handing them out over here, but I only hand them out over here. And as soon as they finish their first donut, I go, y'all want a second one? Would you like a third one? And y'all are sitting here, you know, Isaac and all these, y'all are sitting over here going, seriously? <laughs> like, they got donuts? How do we get donuts? And yet we just keep pouring them out over here. Paul, Paul's looking at it going, look, we have this incredible gift of the gospel, and it's just to pour it out into our lives. How could we just sit over here with more than what we need, just keep it all to ourselves? Don't you look at the room and recognize there are a lot of other hungry people here. This is too good not to share. He, he, his passion is going, I got to get the gospel out. I, I'm looking out at the world and I'm seeing there's huge need. But also, there's a huge problem of access. There's a difference between gospel need and gospel access. And I just want to remind you of that difference. Everyone has gospel need. Everyone needs a savior. Everyone needs to repent of sin and to turn to Christ to be saved. Everyone everywhere has gospel need. That's equal everywhere. But what's not equal everywhere, and we talk a lot about disparities. A lot of you are in education. A lot of you are in healthcare, And you know what disparities mean. Well, we have huge gospel disparity in our world today. Gospel access is not about a need for a savior. It's about the opportunity to even hear about a savior, to even hear about Jesus. And it's in gospel access that we've got to think, we've got to live strategically so that people who don't have the gospel can have this. 
In the world today, and I won't spend a lot of time on this, preached on it many times here at our church, but just to remind you, there are 17,443 people groups in the world, and today, 7,386 of those groups, that is 42.3% of all people groups in the world today do not have witness of Jesus Christ. As you look across the room this morning, it means we bring in Gibson's Donuts and we've got more than what we need over here. But you look out at the other half, all they need is for somebody to take a donut over here. You've got more than you need. They just, somebody just needs to go. That's all that's needed. Just take and move over here because you see they don't have it yet and you have it and you've had it for a long time. You've got more than you need so y'all need to come over here and help. This is a picture of the world today. Nearly half of the people groups in the world just need someone. This was Paul's heart. You mean to tell me there's people who haven't heard? So I, let me help. I'm looking out. I, I, they just need someone to live intentionally, invest sacrificially so that they might hear. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of Christ, but how can they hear and who, unless someone shares it with them? This was Paul's burden. In the world today, if you quantify that with just the numbers of people, there are 8 billion people in the world today, and about 3.4 billion of them have not heard the name of Jesus, do not have a living Christian witness. They're considered unreached in the world. Most of those live in an area of the world called the 1040 window. We've talked about that, and that is this area here defined geographically. There is so much need for those of us who have so much access to the gospel, to look out and to see they just need someone to tell them. And this is why, friends, we have Global Missions Week. Because if we're going to have a worth it mindset, we have to address the disparity of access. They need someone to go and share with them. Without that, how will they ever believe? That's why Paul says in Romans 15, this is my ambition, to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. It was his passion. I want to get the gospel to those who have never heard. And friends, you can do that too. I wonder today, there's a lot of you passionate about trying to address the community and the world's disparities. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for a church filled with advocates for good. But I wonder, do you also see the disparity of gospel access. And what would it look like for you to put this before the Lord and say, Lord, would you help me to address this disparity in my lifetime? Would you help me to get the gospel to those who have never heard? Lord, I want to be a part of the solution. Fourth, and finally, in the worth it mindset, the fourth element of worth it mindset is to live intentionally for real impact. And this is putting words on what I just described to you and this is where our core verse for the week comes from. Paul lives this way and calls us to see life this way, a recognition that we are called personally to help with the resources that we have and the time that we have to sacrifice lesser things for greater things. He says in verse 24, our theme verse, but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry received from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. 
And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Paul's saying, look, push comes to shove. I just want you to know, like, I've lived intentionally because I've wanted you to know Jesus. Like, I, I've, I've, I haven't considered other things more important than this. I've made this, like, my main thing. And I know I don't have forever with you. In fact, like, this is probably the last time I may see you. And so I just want you to know that, like, I've done everything I can with the time that God has given me and the resources that I have to help you know Jesus. And I consider it worth it. It is worth it to me. Jesus invites us into the same in Matthew 9, 35. He says, you know, as he went through the villages and the cities, he went out and he was looking out at the landscape of his day and he's inviting us to look at the landscape of ours and he was teaching them and proclaiming the gospel. He was pouring out healing of disease and afflictions. He looked at the crowd and he had compassion for people. They were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he looks at his disciples and he looks at you and he says, the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. In other words, do you see how God is working out there in the world? There is so much need and opportunity. People need compassion. They need help. They need hope. And you have the opportunity. You have the opportunity. What would hold you back? Like you just want to be in America that much? Is it safety? Is it money? Is it a career trajectory? Is it family? Is it fear? Like, what, what would it, what, why would anything hold you back? Look at the harvest, it's plentiful. Look at the labors, it's few. Would you consider a week this year? Would you consider extra given? Would you consider welcoming an international into your home? Like, would you consider doing part of your residency overseas, would you consider a career in another place for the sake of helping people? No, the greatest thing, and that is Jesus. I'll tell you, it's worth it. It's totally worth it, and that is what Paul is telling us. It's totally worth it. There's a whole litany of folks, as I close, that have gone before us that can testify to this. I think of missionaries like Amy Carmichael, born in 1867 in Ireland, devoted her whole life to focus on the rescue and the care for children. She founded the fellowship in India, there in Tamil, to provide a home for rescued children. She authored numerous books and poems in that language. Over a thousand children rescued and cared for through her work and ministry. A beginning of a gospel spread because she heard a message similar to the one I'm preaching you today, it's worth it. And she responded from Ireland to India. And some might consider in this world, what a waste. She could have stayed in Ireland. Look how successful she'd become. She went and lived among all those poor children. But in the kingdom of God, it's not a waste. It's a success. Totally worth it. She says, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Think about David Livingstone, missionary to Africa, born in Scotland, 1813. He was a doctor. He was a missionary. He decided to use his medicine career to move into a place where there was greater need for the gospel. He heard a message and he responded. 
He became an explorer. He mapped significant portions of Africa for all of us today that we still use for global missions. He emphasized the abolition of the slave trade, became a huge advocate against slavery. He worked to bridge gaps between Africans and Europeans to establish trust in which gospel would have the opportunity to spread. He's quoted as saying, I will place no value on anything I have or may possess except in relation to the kingdom of Christ. He looks at you in the eyes and says, it's worth it. Think about missionaries like Jim and Elliot, Elizabeth Elliot, who many of you know, missionaries to Ecuador. They were born in Belgium, 1926. They were missionaries there. Jim went down to Ecuador and the people group that he was called to reach turned on him and killed him. He sacrificed everything at this young age for the sake of the gospel. Some might look at that and go, what a tragedy, what a waste. But Elizabeth would turn around and look at you and go, not so fast. Worth it. Elizabeth, with great faith and courage, decided that she would go back to the people group that killed her husband. She spent the remainder of her life there and she reached that people group for Jesus Christ. She published many influential books on Christian living and missions, and he is quoted as saying, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. In other words, it is worth it. And Elizabeth quoted as saying, God is God, and because he's God, he's worthy of my trust and obedience. I think about William Carey, born 1761 in England, who heard a message similar to this about the gospel of God and the need of the world. He responded and decided to go to India, became a missionary there, one of the most influential figures in the movement of church planning in India, if not the most. He translated the Bible into multiple Indian languages. He established a college there. He advocated for social reforms, not just working within the gospel, but working for the society as good. He translated the Bible into Bengali, Aria, Hindi, Marathi, Assamese, and Sanskrit. Please forgive me if I've mispronounced any of that. He's quoted as saying, to know the will of God, we need an open Bible and an open map. I think about Lottie Moon, who was born in our USA in Virginia. 1840, was called by God after she heard a message similar to this. Seeing the needs of the world, she responded and went to China. She lived there for nearly 40 years and advocated for gospel progress, but also women's rights and social justice. There's an offering named in her name that's raised millions, in fact, billions of dollars for international missions. She's quoted as saying to you, can we follow the Savior far? who have no wound or scar. No wound, no scar. Yet, as the master shall the servant be, and pierced are the feet that follow me. I think about Hudson Taylor, who was born in England in 1832, who decided to respond to a message similar to this and went and invested his life in China. He adopted Chinese dress he helped us all know what it was like. He didn't look very happy in this picture. <laughs> but he helped us know what it was like to give up everything, including your own customs and culture, and to contextualize for the sake of others knowing Jesus. He established the CIM, which played a huge role in spreading Christianity in China. The church today has huge debt of gratitude to 
Hudson Taylor. He's quoted as saying, all of God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on his being with them. I think about Nate Saint, missionary to Ecuador, born in Pennsylvania in 1923, who was a pilot and like many of you had some skills and wondered, how in the world can I use my skill for the gospel? And he's like, well, let me see what I can do. And he took his plane down there and he used innovative aerial methods to contact tribes and evangelize the people. He helped to map out different areas. He sacrificed his own life for mission. He's quoted as saying, people who do not know the Lord ask why in the world we waste our lives as missionaries. But they forget that they too are expending their lives. And when the bubble is burst, they'll have nothing of eternal significance to show for the years that they have wasted. I think about Mary Slusser, who was born in Scotland, 1848, who was a missionary to Nigeria. She was a Presbyterian with a deep heart. God had put on her heart for Africa. She went to the ethnic people in Nigeria. She adopted and cared for native children. She advocated for women's rights. She worked to eradicate harmful practices. And she paved the way for gospel progress, seeing many people come to know Jesus and churches started at last to this day. She's quoted as saying, give me the love that leads the way, the faith that nothing can dismay, the hope that no disappointments tire, the passion that will burn like fire. Let me not sink to be a clod. Make me thy fuel, O flame of God. I think about George Mueller, born 1805 in Germany, who became a philanthropist, evangelist, and founder of orphanage in England. He established orphanage in Bristol, England, and cared for thousands of children for the sake of them knowing Jesus and the community around them knowing Jesus. He emphasized faith and prayer for provision and a lot of religious kind of deadness in his time. He cared for over 10,000 orphans through his ministry through Ashley Down Orphanages. And his ministry recorded over 50,000 specific answers to prayer. He's quoted as saying, the more I'm in a position to be tried in faith with reference to my body, my family, my service for the Lord, my business, the more shall I have opportunity of seeing God's help and deliverance. Finally, I think about Frankie Taylor. Last Friday, I helped to officiate her funeral here in Memphis, and um, she's one of my favorite people. We uh, got to know Frankie and cared for her for 10 years at the Glen Mary Retirement Home. She helped me start the gospel movement that was there. She was a pillar in the Bible study group that was there that was so flourishing for so many years. She was passionate to see people come to know Jesus. And I, one year during our global missions conference, just like it's starting this week, I went to the Bible study group and I said, hey, uh, we're, we're put out our short-term mission trips this year. Y'all should think about going with us. And they laughed. 80, 90-year-olds, you know, sitting around. And I saw this look in Frankie's eyes. She said, really? I'll never forget the journey that ensued. After Bible study that day, we had a more serious conversation when she asked, she said, you know, I've traveled the world all over, but I've never done it for the glory of God. I've only done it for vacations and myself. She says, I've never thought 
about the fact that God might could use me to help spread the gospel. She said, but I'm in my 80s. And she said, I'm, I'm sure I can't go. I said, now wait a second. And we started looking at all the old people in the Bible that were useful to God. After prayer and conviction, she said, do you think my daughter could go too? If so, I think we want to go to Africa. She signed up for a short-term mission trip. And y'all, <laughs> I have never seen a more effective female or male evangelist in my life. She stood up in front of the village on the day that she was assigned to share with fear and trembling. She had never shared testimony like that. She, I said to her, Frankie, it's your turn. And y'all, she stood up in front of this village. And some of y'all who were there, you remember, she stepped forward with a boldness and she shared the gospel and her testimony that day. And she pled for people to come to Jesus. And y'all, half of the village responded. They accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And to this day, there is a church in the village because Frankie Taylor in her 80s said yes and considered it worth it to go on a short-term trip. In the last 10 years of her life, I did her funeral last week, helped with that, but in the last 10 years of her life, between the year 80 and the year 90, from that first trip that she went on with ICC until the day that she died, she had gone on seven international mission trips. An article was written about her recently in a magazine here in town, and she's quoted as saying, the middle 30 years of my life, I thought I was doing stuff, but the last 30 years have been the calling stage where God has been calling me to do what I do and telling me you can do it. And God has called me to share what he has and he alone has done. She goes on to say, I thought I couldn't do it because I was too old. But no, 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 you're never too old. God doesn't send you where you shouldn't be. He sends you to where he wants you to be. Frankie looks at you and says, it's worth it. I close by asking today, as we consider our theme verse for the week, I don't account my life of any value precious to myself, but only I finished my course, the ministry that's received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the grace of God. I look at you, and as I close today, as we launch this week, I just say, what about you? Do you consider it worth it? And if you do, what's your next step? I don't believe everybody is going to be called to move their whole life overseas, but I think some of you might be if you'd be open to the Lord. We all can't do everything, and I'm not asking everybody to be one of these great heroes of the faith that I just talked about, but I do believe we can all do something. I believe we can all do something. And I'm asking right now, there's something more for you to do and I'm asking you to be curious with the Lord as we close this day and launch our week. What might it be? What might be your path to a clearer calling and an active involvement to see the gospel spread and churches planted around the world? It's worth it. Say yes to him. Thanks again for listening to this Bible teaching from Island Community Church. We want to encourage you to join us for worship in person soon. No podcast can replace God's good design of gathering with other believers in a local church. For more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church, visit us at iccmemphis.com. We offer a prayer of blessing for you from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, 
you may abound in hope.